Now your golf bag can do more than carry your clubs. Introducing Par 6, the six-pack cooler that fits inside any golf bag. Utilizing reusable gel packs, the Par 6 keeps your favorite beverages cold with no ice and no mess. Don't wait for the beverage cart. Don't pay high prices on the course. Pick up the Par 6 and watch it pay for itself in just one round of golf. And now, for a limited time, get two Par 6 coolers for just $19.99. That's right, just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Order yours today at caddyswag.com. And now, back with more Caddy Swag-tastic Caddy Swaggery on Caddy Swag Radio. Welcome Woo! to the Caddy Swag Show. I'm Benny. He's Boz. Just got done gambling on the Bone Shaker. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Boz, you always you tend to win a lot on the Bone Shaker oh, table. Oh, yeah. It's, I don't give a cluck. Chicken dinner. <laughs> you just find ways to keep on winning every time, don't you? Slow and steady wins the race. He always moves right. around different spots, spots different yeah. locations on the table. That's what's That's great the about magic. the Bone Shaker is you had six different spots that people can shake dice at the same time. That's the genius behind it. Big thanks for Bone Shaker for their continued support. Uh, a lot of people in the United States might not know of our next guest. They should. They should. They he, will. They will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's world traveled. He's been to the United States many times, along with the other 85 countries that he's been to and counting. Uh, he's the first Arab to go 4,600 kilometers across the Atlantic Ocean. The first Arab to walk 650 kilometers to the magnetic North Pole. The list goes on and on. Kilimanjaro. Uh, we, we here at the Caddy Swag, though, Boz, we like to call him Al Busadi. Is yeah. that right? Nabs Al Busadi. Is that right? Is that close? <laughs> It's close enough. Close How enough. do you pronounce it again? <laughs> I, I would just say Nabs. All right, we'll just stick with Nabs. You're the master. <laughs> can't we call you Tom? Is this? Uh, can we? Yeah, no, we can't. We have to call him Nabs. We have to respect the craft. Nabs, okay. let me ask you a question. Is this your first radio interview in the United States? It is absolutely. I, 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 I've been uh, on TV, radio, newspapers, magazines all around the world, but never in America. Have you ever been arrested in America? <laughs> you had to go there immediately. Oh, why? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're just we're checking the boxes in the list with America. So what happened? Uh, so, um, so what you didn't, what you failed to mention when you said I was the first Arab to go across the Atlantic. You failed to mention I rowed across the Atlantic in a rowing boat. That's right. Thank you. So yes. That's, that's what's impressive. Not that I went across the, uh, the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, so I've done that in a plane. Of course, um, by, by the time I got to the other end of, so sailed from, well, sailed, rowed from Africa to uh, basically the Caribbean. Okay. And God. of course, after two months of rowing, I had a full on uh, castaway beard. Got to uh, Miami uh, to fly back. Got to Miami to fly back to England, and um, they were looking at my passport, clean shaven, suit, tie, and then they were looking at me (laughs) (laughs) and and wondering why I changed my appearance. And I said, quite reasonably, I thought in in an English sort of way, uh, I said, uh, "Would you believe that I rode?" I just rode across the Atlantic thinking it was a rhetorical question. Uh, he didn't think it was rhetorical. 
and said, no, go stand over there. And I was detained for eight hours while they determined whether I'd actually rode across the Atlantic <laughs> or not. <laughs> so there, wasn't there some sort of like, not media along for the ride, but don't you kind of log or chart this kind of like a um, an airplane? Yeah. How does the recording process go? So um, actually the... The recording process is actually um, because it's unsupported, so you have no support boat. You're on a rowing boat with no uh, toilet, no kitchen, no sleeping arrangements, no uh, support boats. So if you capsize, you're done. Um, so they log you when you leave, and then of course they log you when you arrive. The Ocean Rowing Society, <laughs> and then they they hold the records for the uh, Guinness Book of Records. So. Um, there was media, so I was in the newspaper in the UK, but um, um, evidently I wasn't. So <laughs> I wasn't what, much what, big what, shakes what, in Miami. Let me, let me. Okay, <laughs> this might, um, <laughs> Boz, This interview might get a little bit longer than I thought initially, right? Okay, good, good, yeah. good, good, good. Tell me longer I, than well, he rode. I'm going to kind of go um, from. I'm, I want to finish. I want to talk about the finish for a second, and then I want to talk about uh, what while you were on the water. Okay, but tell me about like when you finish in Miami. What is there? Somebody waiting for you? Ah, so actually, we we uh, arrived in uh, uh, Barbados. I think we okay. arrived in Bar- so Barbados was our first la- uh, port of land or port of call. Um, and we arrived, and again, another weird story. We so it was a team of us rowing uh, on the boat. It wasn't just me. Okay. When we got when oh, when well, we'd man. been we'd been rowing for forty three days. I've been. How many seasick. are there? How many? So this was another of the. This was another of my world records. Uh, there were actually fourteen of us rowing on this boat. Wow. So we were we were packed like sardines. It was the largest largest number of people in a boat trying to row across the Atlantic. <laughs> How big is the um, boat? It was 14 meters, so uh, 39 feet. 30, yeah. Wow. Bigger than the boats coming out of Cuba? <laughs> um, so there's 14 of you guys and I... with about one, one meter of space each on the boat. <laughs> How long did the trip take you from start to finish? Uh, 43 days. 43 days. Seven how, weeks. It was, do you shit in a bag and then empty it over the <laughs> side? Or how's that? Did you guys have a bathroom ready to go? Or what? It, it, it's, you know, you need, first of all, you need to uh, be able to see the boat to understand fully uh, how stupid the whole thing was. But also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I showed you how we uh, actually went to the toilet, we actually basically you just put your ass over the edge of the boat in between rowers because there was the rowing was twenty four hours nonstop. Sure. So uh, we, we had hands with somebody seven on the other people. side to balance it. Did anybody die? So not on our on our attempt, nobody died. But there were some. I mean in. In the past, there have been some very sad, sad and funny stories. There was a, before we left, we met a guy in the um, in the Canary Islands who said that he tried to row across the Atlantic, and his boat had sunk, and they'd sent up flares and distress and SOS, and and a boat came and rescued them. 
So they were in a leaking, um, in a leaking lifeboat that was sinking, and they were thought they were going to be drowned in like in a day. And a boat came, so they all got on the boat. They were so happy, and uh, and then the guys were like, uh, "Yeah, you've got to stand on on the deck." And they're like, "Can't we go down? We've we've been exposed to the elements for two days. No, you've got to stand here. Can we get blankets? No. Can you, can we do that? No." And they were like, "What the hell's going on?" And so they were so insistent. Uh, the the guys from the boat pulled out guns on them, uh, and then threw them back overboard. <laughs> what? No. Yeah. I'm the captain. Now. <laughs> Unbelievable. And they got thrown overboard again with the leaking life raft. And two days later, they got rescued by another boat. And Are whatever you? the story, whatever the story was, that first boat was either a drug runner or a, or you know, it was obviously up to no good. Wow, that's the ocean for you. What did you guys run into like that? Where what did you see? What did you experience um, from after the time that you left? Did they find Wilson? I think um, one of the funniest, uh, so we were rowing 24-7, so we were rowing two hours on, so my shift would row for two hours, then we'd go to the uh, rear or forward cabin and we'd sleep for two hours, and then we'd get up and row for two hours and sleep for two hours, row for two hours, Uh, and I think one of of the other guys in the office just said, um, you know, why was there seven? So you had six rowing and one navigating, cleaning, cooking, and wow. on the radio. And I was on navigating radio, and um, uh, about 20 nautical miles away, about 40 kilometers away, a boat was on the horizon, um, and they could see you with the electronic radar, but they couldn't see us visually. So they were calling up, hello, Britannia 3, this is cargo ship, blah, blah, blah. Um and on the electronic readout, it says rowing sh- rowing boat. For them, it said rowing boat. Um, and he says, I can't see you. Where are you? And I said, okay, we're 20 miles off your port bow, blah, blah, blah. What is a rowing boat? <laughs> uh, and, I, <laughs> and I said, it's a rowing boat. What do you mean rowing boat? Uh, we're using human power to propel oars to propel our boat. <laughs> Oh my God! Mayday! Mayday! I was like, no, no, no! We do not need help. He said, "Are you sure?" We did like, this Yes, no, seriously, we're we're actually trying to row across the Atlantic. And he was so confused, he actually diverted his boat to come and look at us because he didn't believe we were trying to row across. I don't the Atlantic. blame him, Boz. If I was out there like that, I think that I would have to come over and take a look too. You're not doing that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. wait a second. There's a unicorn over there. I gotta go take a look at it real quick. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, you think about that smallest space with that that crew like that, and it's like, oh, yeah, you still have to eat, and you still have to have supplies, and you still have to do all of, like, human functions, right? I I mean, it's very inspiring. I hope somebody makes a movie out of you guys. Uh, You have a book (laughs) that's out, right? Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, But the book is out. The book is um, its actually about my first, I think, three or four expeditions. So I walked to the North Pole, uh, which was uh, very unusual, A, for an Arab, and uh, B, going from such a hot climate to a cold climate. Um, 
but then I think the second uh, uh, the second sort of adventure was uh, I got a very I had a very good friend who was a U.S. Navy pilot, and he had a parachuting accident was in a wheelchair. But prior to being in a wheelchair, he'd been running. He'd done a, a year of running a marathon every, or two years of running a marathon every two weeks for charity. What? So he he was a very fit guy. So yeah. after he ended up in a wheelchair, he said, "Well, uh, let's do let's uh, let's do marathons in wheelchairs." And then when I got back from the North Pole, he said, "Nabs, I want to do the bottom of England to the top of Scotland. I want to get break the world record in a, in a wheelchair." And I said. You know, I'm there. So um, we organized this uh, attempt on the world record, which was uh, 17 days. What? And um, I organized, uh, you know, I, I was in the British military. So I, I had lots of contacts in the UK. I got vans. I got hotels. I got food, water. Uh, I got drivers. I got an ambulance. And we organized this whole um, attempt, like a, like a Formula One world record attempt, because we wanted to break the 17 day uh the 17 day record so what did you, Rick, how, when did you guys see how how quickly did you guys think you could do it to be honest we 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 weren't sure because um uh we we were sort of going on the 17 day limit and we were trying to work back from that let's try and make it in 16 days and i wanted to make sure that the rick never spent any time apart from on the wheelchair, pushing the wheelchair. Everything else I would take care of. So we ended up going and um, uh, I had GPSs. As soon as he stopped, uh, we, you know, we, we, we logged the point. We put him in the van. We took him to a hotel. We had the bath running. We had food service. We had everything ready. So he never did anything except push the, bo- uh, push the, push the wheelchair. Anyway, 17 days was the world record. He did it in... 70 days. We did it in eight days, 10 hours. Oh my God. Why? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question. Why? Why is a very good question. And if you have to ask, you'll never understand the answer. Okay, but uh, all right. Yeah, okay. That very good answer. I'm just fighting words. Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) Well, well, okay. I'll try. I mean, there are people that will. uh, So. Why in that particular case, the um, so uh, in this particular case with the wheelchair, it was so I guess with Rick, he's very driven. I guess I, I'm very driven. We want to do things. We want to achieve things. Uh, and also it's allied to this, I think, probably this military service ethic where you're trying to do things for other people. I mean, we raised $25,000 for charity on the on this uh, Land's End to John O'Groats wheelchair. Uh, in, in total, I, I've raised I, I've raised about three hundred thousand dollars so far for charity. That's a huge. Uh, that's a huge reason why, right there. I mean, I, what the, whatever you're raising for charity is a fraction of what you should be because you're pushing yourself beyond human, like to superhuman levels. And I know you understand this, right? I mean, yeah. I, has science come to you and like? put any like uh, little probes inside your body yet or anything to kind of see what makes you tick uh no only psychologists okay all right fair <laughs> no, no um uh, well the, the i, I the re- one of the reasons that i'm uh probably 
you would say my the number I've raised is fairly low is because um, in the Middle East, when people give for, to charity, they do it privately in secret. They don't uh, advertise it. Okay. It's not supposed to. If if you do something for charity, it's supposed to be between you and the charity, not for publication, not for self-aggrandizement. Sure. So the money that I've raised for charity has been by going to schools and asking the kids themselves to organize a sponsored event and getting the kids to do the fundraising and then the school donates the money to charity. So um, right wins. now I'm organizing... I'm organizing a, twi- um, a row across the Atlantic, and we, we've organized 30 rowing machines. And we're getting, um, I think, uh, something like uh, 200 kids. And they're going to row in shifts on these rowing machines. Wow. And in 24 hours, they're going to try and cumulatively do 4,600 kilometers. Wow. And between the kids all going around their parents and sure you know, everybody their can friends. everybody can take a turn and you know pitch in a little bit but you're not yeah. stuck in a 1 meter shithole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and everyone's donating like a dollar each and right. But cumulatively it, it it ends up being a big event for the kids themselves. Um and of course my my so I do a lot of public speaking but for schools I'll go to the school for free. If they organize a sponsored attempt and for the kids, they learn lots um, about fundraising. They also learn about charity. They have to choose a charity themselves. You know, they have to uh, between the kids, they have to think, you know, do we want to raise money for cancer or animal sure. welfare or and between them, they then learn what's important to themselves. You know, so it's a uh, this is incredible. Some, how do we get this started over here in the United States? Is there something that we can do to help out? I mean, I mean, I love the the, the website ArabAdventure.com, right? Yeah, um, thank what, you. What, what can we do, um, you know, collectively to to help you out? Because I think this sounds incredible. I love the idea. Um, I I, I don't I, I don't know. I hadn't thought of that. I I, I mean I, I I've never we'll done follow a... up with that. How about let's talk about something sexy as fuck. Wait How about... a second. One one thing real quick. Go ahead. What other world records has he set? How with many kids? world records? No no no. What but... what world records has he set with kids? <laughs> what world records have you set with kids? <laughs> okay, that was a... so. Well, uh, I I was in Qatar talking to a uh, some first year students at university. And they organized the world's biggest game of hide and seek. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I would win. Yes. I would win. Boz would probably win this game. Go ahead. Tell us about it. It was crazy. So I, I thought it was the dumbest idea. but um, <laughs> It's crazy but what might I, catch on though, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought I'm not going to dissuade the kids. They came to me with the idea and I said, guys, Anything you do, I'll support. And then in, in, sort of privately, I was going, what the hell? What <laughs> anyway, um, I, I was like, how are you going to? Anyway, I, they got the Guinness Book out of records from London. They went around all the schools in Qatar. And this was the key. This is the multiplier effect. They went to all the kids in all the schools in Doha. And they went in and said, listen, you pay the equivalent of a dollar. You get an entry ticket into the game of hide and seek <laughs> nice so that's how all these kids i had 1400 kids they then had to uh 
get this village and this cultural village and they cordoned it off um, so that these 1,400 kids could hide. And then they gave me 15 minutes to find them. No. And How many did you find? Was, uh, well, like, <laughs> so it, just to explain, so when you, when you, in the Guinness Book of Records, what you have is a home safe base and a, a court, a court base. So I go, you know, I, I say 99, 98, and I count down to 100. Ready or not, here I come. And I turn round and I have to go look for the kids. Of course, when I said ready or not, here I come, 1,400 kids just ran at me and went straight for the safe base. <laughs> I, I saw all 1,400. I didn't catch any. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Mount Kilimanjaro for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, where do you start? Where I mean, uh, and just tell us about you know, start to finish, what that experience is like. What could people expect if they wanted to attempt what you did there? I th- so um, just to be clear, so in my book, for example, let's say it's a hundred and uh, let's say it's two hundred pages. The book um, only about ten pages are devoted to Kilimanjaro, and th- and the reason being, um, Kilimanjaro is not a massive adventure, relatively speaking. <laughs> now. Right, right. I would. I pretty. You could bury me at the top. Yeah, it's Camelback Mountain in Arizona. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I fight myself every morning to get up. (laughs) Right. Go ahead. Tell us more. Runyon Canyon in LA. But but so I I I stress the word relative. So for me, it was like a weekend trip to go up to Africa, (laughs) climb the mountain, and come back. But uh, I actually took my younger brother, who is um, not sporty, not adventurous, not you know. And for most, uh, let's say, 95% of the population, it's probably a massive achievement because climbing the highest mountain in Africa is actually a justifiably uh, uh, a justifiable achievement that you can be proud of because it's, it's something uh, tangible, right? Um, so I took my brother along with me and, and you know, we, we went and climbed the Kilimanjaro. My my uh, and, and and since I've done that, a lot of people from the Middle East have now gone off uh, uh, to Africa to climb Kilimanjaro. And the one thing that I would say to anyone who wants to do it, it's very easy as long as this one key thing: you take it slowly, because um, it's basically Given. a five-kilometer walk. It's a five-kilometer walk upstairs, basically. Okay, and. As you walk up, if you if I asked you to do that at sea level, you'd be able to do it in a day. You could walk five kilometers in a day. Sure, sure, sure. You could walk five kilometers up an incline in one day. Mm-hmm. But the the issue is the um, acclimatization. As you go up, the air gets thinner, the oxygen is less rich, and as you go up, you get more breathless. And as and there's a time lag effect. So when people get nearer the top. Uh, they don't realize how their body is suffering for at least half an hour, an hour. So a lot of people will get to the top thinking, I can make it, I can make oh, it. They get sure. to the top and then they faint from, um, you know, high altitude. That's hypoxia, me. You know? yeah, that's what I would do. So um, as long as you take it slowly and let your body acclimatize to the rarefied atmosphere, 
You can make it. Anyone can make it. Kids take it slow. It. Take it slow, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the, uh, uh, Kilimanjaro has the highest failure rate, one of the highest failure rates, because people don't listen. They think, oh, I can do it. I can do it. Good donk. That's what it sounds like, Boz. Yeah, no, I've heard that noise would, before. Go ahead. Would my camera make it to the top so you could just take a picture for me? <laughs> <laughs> Fair question. I could take a, I, I could take a cardboard cutout of you if you wanted. <laughs> nice, flat Stanley me. Nice, and we and we could do selfies at the top. Yeah, green screen that shit. How about Mount Elbrus? Uh, Elbrus was unlucky. Um, I uh, Russia is a very, very difficult place to go to. Why? Um, Why? Johnny, and also to that region because there's a lot of um, unrest in that region. So, um, uh, well, you know, uh, the, the Russians are just uh, very prote- um, very discerning about who they let in, and then and then when you get there, they you know they they scrutinize you heavily uh, in Russian because they they refuse to speak English, and I can't speak Russian, so that took about three hours to get through customs. Why do you want to climb a mountain? Uh, well. <laughs> Because it's there. Yeah. Um, uh, but the the other thing with the Russian is, um, I had a two week visa, thinking that would be sufficient, and because of bad weather, I wasn't able to summit, and I wasn't able to extend the visa. Uh, and if you overstay your visa, <laughs> then the Russians will, you know, throw you into a gulag. So, um, I, I, I that's just bad, said, well, right? I'll, I'll I'll come back another day. It's, uh, so you didn't get a chance to summit, but you made the trip. Yep. I was there. I was, you know, I was one day away from the summit. I just had bad snow. Couldn't make it up the that, that day. And my guide and I said, if you don't go down now, you'll miss your flight. Well, you know what? You bring up a good point. How about if you give our listeners just a little bit of background about like your your uh, military, your um, your upbringing, if you will. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, how about a little bit of your? Most of the time, we talk about this at the beginning, but we got really excited with you. So I want to hear about all the <laughs> cool gizmos Q put on your rowboat. Yeah, well, go ahead. Like you, because you are you are uh, you are mil- your uh, military background and things like that, right? Yeah, um, I, I was born in the UK. Um, I'm I'm an Arab. Um, I'm originally from Oman, which probably most people have never heard of. Um, but it's a uh, it's a very 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 quiet part of um, uh, of the Middle East. Um, in fact, Oman is the only country in the world in the last five ten years to have absolutely no terrorism or or any kind of sort of political up- upheaval. I'm going. Can I um, live there? How how quickly can I get there? How much are the flights? From America, I have no idea. I'm just kidding. I just want to go there because it sounds uh, very peaceful. Actually, um, I had two weeks ago. I had a I had a navy a navy seal friend and a, a green beret come out for a week to visit. Uh, so they were out here in Oman for a week, and they were, they loved it. Um, but uh, so we're sort of jumping. But uh, so I was born in the UK. I'm originally Arab. Um, I'm from Oman originally, and I'm actually in Oman right now. I was brought up in the UK. Um, I then went to uh, the British military, went to the equivalent of West Point, 
to Sandhurst okay. in, in the UK. Um, and I was in the military in between the first and second Gulf Wars. Um, so I didn't see any combat. Um, um, You're a verified I, badass, though. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to try to go a thousand kilometers from the coast of Antarctica to the geographic South Pole. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, I know that we're jumping around a lot right now, but what has been the most difficult adventure that you've had so far? So, um, out of all the ones that I've done, so easily, by far, rowing across the Atlantic. And I would rather, uh, you know, so a rowing across the Atlantic. The next one would be walking to the South Pole, but you can't see my hands, but I'm indicating like a massive drop down to walking to the North Pole and then a massive drop down to Everest and then a drop down to, you know, Kilimanjaro. And uh, I would rather go to back to Everest, you know, ten, every year than, than do the Atlantic again. Really? Wow. Well, yeah, okay, so you, so you let's say you'll never let, do that again. Let me, let me, so let me explain something. So if you go to the gym or your read or your listeners, when you go to the gym, how long do you go to the gym for? You go for an hour, maybe, right? right? Or two hours, I don't know. Yep. You do a spin class, you go for an hour, right? Right. Uh, how long would you sit on a rowing machine if you went to the gym? I tell you, whenever days. I've been before, I've gone for like five minutes on the rowing machine. I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> five right. Minutes. Now, imagine you go to the gym and you do two hours on the rowing machine. That's double a spin class or double a yoga class or whatever. And then at the end of it, you normally go home, have a shower, eat food. No, I want you to lie on the floor while people drop things on you and you can't sleep because you're rolling over all the time. And I want you to do that for two hours. And then at the end of it, I want you to take your pants down, shit over the edge of the boat and then row for, <laughs> row for another two hours. And at the end of the two hours, I want you to lie on the floor while people vomit on you and roll over and da, 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 da. And then, but so, and you do that two hours on, two hours off, two hours. And then you do that for seven weeks, oh. nonstop. And there's women on the boat too, right? Is there women on yeah, the boat? Yeah, so, so did you see the, um, uh, you, obviously that's how we got in touch. You, you saw my Instagram account. Correct. If, if, if any of you guys want to see what the boat was like or, you know, what the crew was like, you go on to Arab Adventurer. Uh, wait, that's uh, Instagram Arab Adventurer. And you'll see the photos. And, the, and there's some short video clips as well. Um, there were four girls on, on the boat. And ten guys, um, but they didn't poop, right? <laughs> the, gir the girls don't poop, do they? Did you guys all get on the same cycle? Does that be weird? Uh, <laughs> or fart? They just whisper in their. Pants. Are we allowed to talk about that sort of thing? Oh yeah, this is, a, this is internet radio. We're, we're good. Yeah, I'm kidding. I mean, I mean, I would after being out there for seven weeks. I mean, somebody's got to be fucking on that boat, don't they? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's go there. The, okay, now, now so, I'm really setting some world records. Go ahead. I, I got, I got two stories. So actually, before we went, before we set off from uh, the African side, uh, we met a Swedish couple in the Canary Islands, 
And uh, so, you know, we were there doing our prep for two weeks and they became quite good friends. And um, the girl, one day we were in a bar just having our farewell drinks and she, we were all, well, they were all drunk. I don't drink, but they were all drunk. The Swedish girl, we've got her on video. She was on video telling all of us, you guys are going to die. We're like, why? The, those girls are gonna have get you killed. Why? <laughs> They're gonna have their period in the middle of the ocean. Shark it's bait. gonna attract sharks. <laughs> and, the sharks and the sharks are gonna come and kill you. <laughs> Mobile Mobi shark. Oh, oh my god. My god. <laughs> Land shark. What did you guys do to this? You bring up a good point, but what did you? I, I haven't seen the boat yet. We're pulling up the video now. But did you? Did you have some way of being able to bathe yourself on this thing? Bait? What you bathe sorry. yourself? Like shower, clean yourself? What would you do to um, clean yourself off? Yeah, not really. Not really. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had. Uh, well. You'll see at the end of the uh, at the end of the, the sort of photos, we were so uh, sick and diseased by the end. You know, um, really, the hygiene was hygiene was a problem. Not, be- I mean, we had lots of um, uh, baby wipes and uh, Purell, the sort of uh, hand sanitizer uh, thing. Yeah, but um, fourteen people living in with one meter, you know, on top of each other, right. Um, Sounds like an episode of. Obviously, well, there's no shower, but you could wash in the sea. Right. With Every women now and again, we would. Go ahead. We Real would uh, dip in the ocean and, and then come back out. But, um, yeah, hy- hygiene was a problem. We don't. I, I, I can. You were fine. S- you had some baby wipes and Purell. <laughs> I can certainly imagine. Uh, I can't even imagine, but. I mean, just a quick dab under the armpit, just to, you know. <laughs> yeah, here's a here's a baby wipe to wipe yourself down. I don't know. <laughs> you really put yourself out there, Nabs. I mean, um, what was it coming up as a as a kid that made you want to? Uh, where did you come up with such an extreme nature? Um, I think it's uh, possibly the sort of uh, uh, what, what I would what we would call in England public school, but I, I guess you would call it private school in America. Um, sort of the, it, it, I, I know it's weird because in England, um, uh, public schools are the, in the old days, if you had a teacher, you had a private teacher. So when they opened up their first schools, like uh, 800 years ago, they called them public schools because you had um, lots of people at the school. So that's why it's called public school, even though it's, not a state or government school. So um, in those types of schools where um, there, there's sort of this um, uh, attitude or upbringing where you, you, you're, you, you're encouraged to be uh, adventurous and go off and explore and join the military and, uh, you know, colonize other countries, that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. I mean, here, is it, here. let me ask you this. Go ahead. What do we got? I just got two questions. Got a couple questions coming in. Go ahead. Uh, okay, go ahead. What uh, What's the most amazing thing you've seen? 85 countries, all these adventures. I mean, the the earth has to have probably given you something that you never expected. What's is dropped it round your jaw? or flat? Yeah, go ahead. What's the most, what is something just dropped your jaw so God. far? Not including John Travolta. There was one, so um, roaming the Atlantic, we had to, um, 
we had to uh, learn, or I had to learn as the navigator, I had to learn astral navigation um, in case the GPS went down. And, and one of the things that I, uh, one of the, it's an odd thing, but uh, there was a one day in the in the row that the sun went down behind us at the same time as the moon rose in front of us and every single day uh, the, so there's the, the the cycle isn't exactly matched so every day it would get like 5 minutes closer to being exactly the same time uh, and so every day i was telling the crew um you know 5 minutes from now the sun's going to go down 10 minutes from now the moon's going to rise but tomorrow it's going to happen simultaneously and when it did we were all on deck um and it, it might not sound so impressive but you know everyday rowing that was something that we looked forward to every single day waiting for that particular day when it would happen simultaneously and of course um the simple things guys i yeah i can't i can't um Explain, uh, describe it. Explain, but actually, um, I was at the uh, American Embassy the other day, and, and somebody was asking me my favorite uh, city or favorite place in the world, and um, I, I'm not sure if it was my, it was certainly my top five, San Diego. I, I don't know guy, where you guys are living, but um, the whales I've been to San Diego China. nine times, and I loved it every time I went. San Diego is a great place to go, no doubt about it. How close have you come to dying? Yeah, I was going to ask, what's the worst physical oh, toll god. these things have taken on him oh god actually um so this is uh, nothing to do with my expeditions because i've almost died on every single expedition but um i <laughs> let's I, do another one <laughs> Sign me up. Boring. Uh, i uh i actually got shot in the chest <laughs> and, uh, which I, i'm laughing but i guess it wasn't so funny at the time tell us about it um uh, sorry. Tell us about it. Um, so this was actually when I was in the military and had a great. So I was troop commander. So I was an officer, uh, and I had this great troop sergeant. Um, he was a really tall black guy, and everyone thought he was hilarious. He was the funniest guy ever. He was everyone's friend, um, and I ended up being his um, the, the 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 godfather to one of his kids. Uh, he had nine kids, and not all by the same wife. Four different women. So he gets around. He was more Muslim, more Muslim than me. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, one day he, he, we, were, we were off to the ranges to sh- to uh, to do shooting, um, shoot rifles and uh, machine guns. And on the way, he said, uh, "You know, sir, uh, I'm thinking about about buying a motorbike." And I said, oh, my God, that's like the that's the dumbest idea. You've got nine kids. How are you going to fit them all on the bike? That's, that's, you need you need a big car to fit all the kids in. He's like, nah, but, uh, you know, I you know, I fancy a motorbike, blah, blah, blah. And I said, OK, on a practical level, you need it for the kids. On a on another level, you have to bear in mind if you're on a bike and you have an accident, you're more likely to die than if you're in a car and you have an accident. You've got all these people depending on you. Um, and he went, yeah, but sir, we're going to the ranges. You could get shot today. And I said, yes, but the, the, the point is on the ranges, I always stand behind the people that are shooting and they're shooting forward. If I was standing in front, then of course I'd be at risk. Sure. Uh, and he goes, yeah, but you know, 
there's still guns and you could get shot. And I went, well, okay. <laughs> um, and then? Anyway, so this, this might be slightly technical, but uh, on the firing point, on the ranges, uh, all the shooters, all the people shooting are supervised by uh, NCOs, you know, uh, corporals or whatever. And uh, a section is, you know, sergeant, and I'm, I'm in charge of the whole firing line, all 30 guys on the, on the, on, on the butts. Um, and they're doing the annual personal weapons test. So they have to get a high school, otherwise they don't get their bounty. Okay. Um, like a ta- tax-free money for saying you're a, a proficient soldier. Every year, if you pass, you get a, a thousand pounds. Okay. So, uh, anyway, that's the way it's in in the UK. So, um, uh, one of the soldiers is having um, uh, stoppages. So he's firing, bang, 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 click. Uh, and obviously, you do your. Uh, I guess a lot of your guys over there, your Americans, will understand. You do your drills, stoppage drills, clear, whatever, yep. cock look. Um, and but he was losing points every time it happened, and it was. He happened one time. Uh, I, I saw it, saw that the uh, NCO was looking after it. Second time it happened, uh, I just had a word with the sergeant, keep an eye on that corporal and keep an eye on that suitor. Third time it happened, um, he got up with the rifle, turned around <laughs> with the rifle pointing backwards, Shaking it, going, this fucking thing doesn't work. Oh, can I say that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, please I, do. I, I said, this fucking thing doesn't work. And shaking it, uh, obviously lost his temper because of the stress and, and uh, had an ND, a negligent discharge. I and have those all I'd the time. been walking towards the group of NCOs and the shooter the to say, you know, calm down. Remember your drills. Don't panic. Blah, blah, blah. And he turned around. I was like, oh, my God. Keep the weapon down, the pointing down the firing range. And as he's shaking it, the ND, the, 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 the gun goes off. The ND goes fortunately into the ground, ricochets and hits me straight in the chest. And it, I, I obviously you'll read all your listeners can't see this, but I just got punched. Uh, I got punched, uh, smacked in the chest. I went flying backwards. Uh, and I, I knew what was happening. Even as I was going down, I was pulling my combat jacket zip down, going medic, medic, pulling my pulling oh. my jacket, thinking, you know, oh my god, this is it's happening. Um, I just got shot. Yeah, I've just been shot, but I knew it was it wasn't a direct shot. I knew it was only a ricochet, but still, that didn't help. Still, well, yeah. yeah, once it's torn into your chest, what are you gonna do, right? This is like two. This is like microseconds of you know. I'm hit in the chest. I'm falling down. Medic, 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 medic. Pulling my... And, I, and then my troop sergeant comes running over and the NCOs and, the, and they're looking at me and I'm patting my chest and there's no entry wound. And I realize I've just been punched to the ground by a spent round. I've been hit by, you know, uh, not by the sort of the pointy bit, by the blunt end of it or whatever. I've just been smacked down with a massive bruise. And my troop sergeant's standing over me looking down at me going i told you you could get shot on the range <laughs> <laughs> so so what kind of motorcycle did you buy <laughs> yeah right what was the motorcycle that you got <laughs> buy your fucking motorcycle then <laughs> so i want to tell you the story about how i stubbed my toe this week <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> How about Mount Everest? You did Everest, right? What was that all about? Were you bored on a Tuesday um, or what? <laughs> Funny you should say that. I actually, I actually did Everest only because um, I had so much exposure <laughs> in the Middle East. I had so much exposure in the Middle East, and um, every single interview came. So you've been to the North Pole, and, and what you're going to remember is, uh, which you and your listeners may not know, 47 years ago, 1970, Oman had no electricity, no roads, no schools, no hospitals, and nothing. Um, so most people older than me never went to school, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of the ministers and stuff never had like a university or formal education. So they're very knowledgeable. But when you go to them and talk about the North Pole, they have no idea what the North Pole is. Right. Or where it is. Never heard of it. They know the geography of the region of the Middle East. They don't know about North Pole. So I go around. I'm doing all these interviews. So, oh, yeah, you walk to the North Pole. Where is that? Okay. Have you ever done Everest? Because everyone knows what Everest is. I got so sick and tired of people saying, I've done, have you done Everest? I said, fuck it, I'm going to do Everest. <laughs> Shut everyone up. <laughs> Just so I can stop these stupid questions. Right. <laughs> did it. So. Uh, you did it. I did the uh, same thing. It was on Google Maps. It was awesome. <laughs> no, so, did, but you, you, did you, did you, uh, you peak Everest? I, no, I didn't summit. I did you not did summit not Everest. Summit. So, um, um, and again, <sighs> bad luck. Um, I, I was on a glacier at about Camp 2. The ice broke. I fell. I broke both uh, ankles. And um, I had to be rescued off the mountain. Well, wow. I was up, up, up by Camp 2. I had to pull myself down the safety rope. Um, it was kind of a I, I I had to wrap my legs in my sleeping mat as a splint, bungee tie them, rope them off so they didn't um, you know move around, and then I pulled myself by my hands down the safety rope down the glacier to um, uh, a collection point where I met with some Sherpas who carried me down to a emergency helicopter landing and um, taken off the mountain. Do you send those Sherpas Christmas cards every year? That's I should. I know. Uh, not not Christmas. They're not. They're not uh, Christmas. No, I'm uh, Christmas. But, okay, but birthday cards. Yeah. How about birthday cards? I, I, no, I actually, I've, um, I did, uh, I did do something for them. Yeah. No, yeah, because yeah. I mean, I understand they are prepared to do that, right? And they know that. I mean, yeah. and you, it just like. Uh, it's almost. Actually, like I'll tell you about this guy. Yeah, go ahead. This guy, uh, uh, this Sherpa, he has summited Everest uh, twenty times, twenty-two times. What? Um, and and what you what you need to know about when, when you're a Sherpa and you and you join these expeditions, when you first join, you become a porter, and you just carry uh, big loads from base camp up to not not base camp. You carry them from uh, Lukla which is the sort of uh, the airport in the mountains. You carry it from there to base camp, and that's your job. You, you just become a, a, a mule. And once you've done enough seasons and you get the training, you can become a guide. or, or No, you become a, a rope layer. So you, you climb up the mountain before the actual climbers and you put rope, safety rope up. And you every season you put up new rope. And then when, you, when you're good enough at that, you become a guide 
and then when you become good enough, you become a summit guide. So this guy, just because he'd done 22 summits, he'd probably been up and down Everest the equivalent of 100 times. He actually carried a 100-kilo generator on his head. I, I don't know if you've ever seen these guys, the way they carry... Um, the way they carry stuff. Uh-huh. You see how you've got your baseball cap on backwards? Right. Um, <laughs> the strap of the baseball cap is where they would put a, uh, like a, um, a webbing strap around their forehead. Uh-huh. And then it would, it would trail behind their back and go underneath a load of whatever. Really? He carried a hundred ki- hundred kilo, um, uh, Generator. basically with his, yeah, with his neck and head muscles. Uh, up, it, up the mountain? Can a human fit oh. in that thing so he can carry a human? <laughs> up, up. Uh, well, he carried me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he carried me. Uh, uh, and how far did? Uh, I mean, how far did they have to carry you? Uh, not far. I mean, I was at uh, camp. Two. I was no, I wasn't at camp two. I was on the way down from camp two, so I was uh, maybe five hundred meters vertical. And they won't bring in a heli. They couldn't bring in like a helicopter and do like, a, you know, like do drop the rope down type thing and cinch you up uh, from a helicopter for something uh, like that. Or, okay, so you're not uh, saving uh, goose wh- from the ocean. <laughs> Go ahead. At a certain altitude, the helicopter's uh, rotors can't bite into enough air to oh, wow. to give it enough lift. So. Um, we had to get down to 5,200 meters so that I not only could it land, but it could actually take off with my body weight. So if it tried to pick me up at a higher altitude, it wouldn't have been able to pick me up. <laughs> Jesus. So this is a rookie question, but is your, do you have a plan to do, I guess they call the seven summits? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, so I've actually done the highest mountain in Antarctica. Okay. Uh, and I've done Kilimanjaro. I, I hadn't really thought about doing the seven summits. I, 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 I really wanted to do north and south. And the reason being, no Arab had done it. And, um, you know, one of the things about being the first Arab, so I, 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 one of the first thing, one of the things about being the first Arab is, and this is actually one of the triggers why I'm doing all these stupid things. Um, I, I had a friend who was in the military and um, a British army, and uh, I'd been thinking about doing Everest. And he said to me, you know, if you, why don't you do the North Pole because you'll be the first Arab. And if you're the first, when you hold that record, if you're the fastest or the strongest or the tallest or whatever, next year somebody will beat your record. Eventually, somebody will beat your record. If you are the first, if you're the pioneer, no one will ever beat your record. Nobody ever remembers the other 11 people that stood on the moon. Everyone remembers Neil Armstrong. Sure. The first person is the one that will always hold the record. I I mean, I do know Buzz Aldrin was the second, but the point is the first guy is the one who always holds the record. That's a maybe. That um, was a... That was maybe in a sound studio in Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my cousins. I came back from the North Pole, and you know, before I went, they were like, "What are you? You know, you're stupid. You going off to the North Pole? You're an Arab. You're gonna you're gonna freeze to death." And then, Sounds of course, like I brothers. came back, uh, and of course, 
you know, being Arabs, we have a big family, so I'd like 300 cousins all ready to pounce on me and give me shit if I didn't make it. <laughs> um, and just take the piss, just take the piss mercilessly. And I thought, I came back, you know, it, it, you know, on my worst days, I was like, I can't give up because if I go back, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> so I, I got, I got back to, uh, I got back to Oman. I, you know, I, I, I went to Canada, back to the UK, went to Bahrain, then came to Oman, and I was thinking, you know, two fingers up at all my cousins. Fuck you, I made it. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, with all the photographs and the videos, and they were like, yeah, that was taken in ski Dubai. <laughs> so, um, so how many summits have you done and you are going to try and do all seven uh actually so um really my my goal is uh, uh so to be the first arab so there's arabs have done there's loads of arabs have done everest so it's never my goal loads of arabs have done the seven summits well not loads but i wouldn't be the first so my my goal was always to be the first arab to do north pole south pole row the Atlantic, um, you know, just to do, to be the first Arab, to raise money for charity, to inspire kids, which is why I go to a lot of schools, uh, you know? I love it. I love uh, it. Hey, I've got my My, my, go my fourth one, which is actually kind of a joke, but I, I, <laughs> I normally say this joke in England and people love it or at schools or whatever. I say, you know, I want to be the first Arab famous for not blowing something up. <laughs> 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 I'd say that you're well on your way so far. That's fucking great. Oh, my God. I love your sense of humor. Uh, let me ask you this. Out doing all this crazy shit, you've had to have experienced something semi-supernatural somewhere along the way, right? Like... You, there, there's you had two of them. Uh, like, there's some weird shit that's happened to you somewhere on the way that you oh, can't really explain. You ask, Go ahead. Like you a, ask questions like you've been primed. You ask questions like you know. Jameson, um, brother, that's a, that's my prime, my only prime right here. Go ahead. So what's the problem? I don't know. Was it like a really great okay, card so, trick? Um, there've been several. There've been several. Um, give me a couple. Give me your top couple. Two, three. Uh, I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you, well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two from the North Pole. Okay. Um, so, or if I have time, I don't know. If no, you have, time, you have plenty. You Go, yeah, you, oh, you can give me as many as you want. Make them as long as you want. I want to hear these stories. I'm extremely interested. Go ahead. And I was okay. guessing so, one of them was going to be with the Swedish couple. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought that's where uh, I was going to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's start with the North Pole. We'll get to the Swedish couple later. They're number four so, okay. or five. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about the North Pole for me personally was that it was so cold. Now, obviously, it was cold, but relatively speaking, I was coming from plus 40. So I was going some from basically Texas, uh, plus 40, and I was going to minus 40 in, uh, in the North Pole, which is an 80-degree drop in temperature. Wow. So... I lost you. That, yes, we lost uh, you. You're back. Uh, you were telling us about the change in climate. Okay, so I the the, the, the it's a drop in temperature from, from plus forty to minus forty. It was such a big temperature drop. I thought I honestly would die. I couldn't breathe. Uh, I couldn't open my mouth because my teeth froze. So I was so cold. I thought I was going to die. So like March so, in Minnesota. Um, walking to. Um, 
walking to the North Pole. We were stuck in a blizzard one day in the first two weeks. Um, I got so it was a it was a confluence of events. So my the batteries in the GPS of my friend um, died. So I gave him the GPS, my GPS. Um, we were going through an area, a very rocky area, not rocky, but sort of um, an area of icebergs, which is, you know, we could walk up and down and you'd lose sight of each other. And then, of course, visibility was really low, blah, 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 blah. So I fell through the ice and I fell up to my waist. And luckily, I didn't fall into water, but I got stuck and I couldn't pull myself out. And I was stuck there for a while in, in 100 kilometer winds, getting colder and colder. And then I just thought, I'm going to die. So um, at least I gave it a good shot. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a shame uh, I'd, met, I'd met this lovely Danish girl who I was totally in love with. And I thought it's going to be such a shame that uh, she's going to be, she's going to find out in a few days that I'm, I died. And that's going to be very sad. And, Jeez. and as I was lying in there, I could not get out of this, um, out of this um, sort of crevice that I'd fallen into. Do you, you know, the empire strikes back. Uh, yes. Yes. When, when, when uh, Luke is in the snow and he, and um, <laughs> he go, Ben says, go to the Dagobah system. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he came along and said, you have to get back to Maria. I was like, right oh Ben. No problem. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Okay, Obi-Wan. And I was like, right, got to get, got to get back to Maria. So I just, kicked and thrashed and i just i just acted like an epileptic for five minutes until i managed to drag myself out of this uh, of this crevice and then i was like i don't even know which way direction i'm supposed to go because i've got i've got the gps i've got the dead gps can't see anybody don't know which direction i'm going i said fuck it i'm just going to walk as fast as i can to try and generate heat in as straight a line as i know how and just keep going and um, just said, fuck it. And about 10 minutes later, as I was cresting some uh, a rubble field, I saw in a brief moment of clarity, the wind cleared for a while. I saw about 100 meters away one of my teammates who was on top of an iceberg looking for me. Uh, and I said, fuck it. All right, I made it. And then, and then afterwards, <laughs> I was like, if I tell anyone that... Obi-Wan Kenobi just saved me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually think that while you were on the mountain? Did you think that? Uh, do well, I was, or do I not. I was thinking no one's going to no believe try. me. I better, not, I better not tell anyone. Was that what you would you consider that a supernatural experience? Well, it was it was bloody weird. Would you consider it a supernatural experience? Dude, it's fucking Obi Wan. It's supernatural. It's it's the force. The force around. The force it binds us. <laughs> tell us about the. Tell us about the other one. Uh, oh, the other. One. So um, when we were going to the North Pole, there were five teams that were trying to get to the magnetic North Pole, and we were all very uh, similar distances. We were fifty kilometers away from. Uh, after six hundred fifty kilometers, there were three teams that were fifty kilometers away from the 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 uh, magnetic North Pole. 
And um, that would have taken about two days. Okay. And um, so two days, 50 kilometers away, I was sitting with my two teammates and I just said, you know, if we do tomorrow, we do 30 kilometers and the next day we do 20 kilometers, it's just going to be a foot race between us and the other two teams. There's 24 hours sunlight. Why don't we just walk nonstop? <laughs> Let's not, not take a break. Let's just go well, why not? 24 hours or whatever it is. And just do the whole 50 kilometers. Uh, you know, normally we'd wake up I'll at 8 a.m. and then go to bed at 8 p.m. Full bars of soap and beat the shit but out that of you. Time is irrelevant in 24-hour sunlight. We, there's no bedtime or waking up time or whatever. Let's just do it. Um, Power and, and through three it, of us, Yeah. We all had this. We had, we'd all had this idea because we'd been, obviously, we'd been uh, over five weeks. We'd looked at the other teams and we'd seen that every night you do a safety call and you give your GPS where you are so people know where you are. And we thought, Every night we could see that there were three, two other teams very close. And we just thought that night we just went, we set it together and we agreed. We're going to just do it. We're going to go for it. That, that day we did 30 kilometers, 8, 8 p.m. Everyone put their tents up and we were all in different areas. But we put our tent up briefly. We did our safety call, cooked some food, gave our position. And then we took down the tent and carried on walking. <laughs> and so we walked 50 kilometers, dragging slab. 50 kilos, 24 hours nonstop. But at some stage, at like uh, at eight, uh, I don't know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, um, we, we were exhausted, by the way, in case you didn't know. Yeah, you didn't yeah right. Uh, and this is, this is after five weeks. So anyone, anyone like you could do, run a marathon if you were forced to tomorrow. Uh, somebody put a gun to your head and said, "Right, run a marathon. You could do it." Right. Uh, but if I said to you, do a marathon "Can I walk tomorrow and tomorrow and every day?" I came to you and said, "Do a marathon. Do a marathon. Do a marathon." Eventually, you're going to be like, <laughs> right, I, "I can't do it." Um, so that's basically what we were doing, and we were just running on reserves. And that that particular day, we I, I I'd lost ten kilos. So if you're looking through the um, those Instagram photos, you'll see a picture of me before I left at 85 kilos. I've got a, I've got C cup bra. I've, I'm six months pregnant. You can see how fat I am before I leave, and then you see the photo of me five weeks later, where I'm ten kilos lighter. Unbelievable! I was, I was eating seven thousand uh, calories a day. Wow! I was eating three times the normal amount of food, and I still lost ten kilos, Un like twenty two pounds. And that's just from, I mean, where were you guys going? Uphill, downhill, all the way? Oh, yeah. I mean, what, uh, what was the terrain like? The cold, but um, mainly because of the distances and the, the weight. What was like? The how much? Go ahead. How much weight? How much would you eat in a in an average day? I mean, right now I'm getting ready to be like you know go on the beach tour and shit like that. So I'm trying to trim it. I'm trying to trim it down a little bit. Maybe uh, I don't know two three thousand two thousand calories maybe. Yeah, two thousand calories, three thousand calories. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, I was eating seven on a normal day. That particular day, thousand? I ate seventeen. Seventeen thousand? No, sorry, nineteen thousand calories. I ate on the last day. Unbelievable! That's what? like I ate six breakfasts, I had six lunches, and I had six dinners. Yeah. How could? You and I still, 
Boy, still nice. lost 10 kilos. Unbelievable, Buzz. How, how can you even find time to eat that much? Thank you, sir. I, I have another. I could, I could not eat that much calories right now if you force-fed me butter. I couldn't. Thank you, sir. I have another. What was the uh, supernatural for- experience that happened to you? So at that, so at, uh, it was about 3 a.m. I'm walking along, and um, as I'm walking along, I, I, I would come to a sort of overcrest, see a flat bit of um, ice, uh, and I see this spitfire to the right. Sorry, I see this um, uh, red tent uh, in the distance, about 100 meters ahead of me. And uh, I started crying. I thought, oh, Jesus, somebody's beaten us to the North Pole. I thought, how the hell did this team get ahead of us? Because we walked all night. They, they, and who's got a red tent? Because we all have green tents. And I'm starting to sort of cry. And uh, and this pilot who was standing to the right of me uh, said, oh, don't worry. Um, they're not part of your team. Or they're not part of the other team. You know, it's, it's a red tent. It's not part. And I said, oh, where did you come from? And he was, oh, I, I just landed here. And he's this World War II uh, sort of RAF pilot with his RAF World War II Spitfire. Sure. So I had a chat, I had a chat with this guy. Um, and he said, don't worry, you're doing fine. Carry on. Ignore that tent. Um, I said, which way is north? He said, just carry on that way. I went, okay, good, excellent. So I carried on and... Every so often, you have a um, you know you have a water break every hour, sadder break. And I said, "Oh, did you did you talk to that pilot? What pilot? Oh, the Spitfire pilot? What the fuck are you talking about? Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that? you didn't? You, you know the one that looked like Obi Wan Kenobi? <laughs> so, but you, no kidding, it was like a real person. No, no, it was complete delirious. It was, right. I was, you know, it, it was, was delirious. It was, it was his mind. I, I understand that, but like in your mind, you thought you were, it was a real, I mean, you thought you were talking I to a real person. full on conversation with a World War II pilot. Wow. 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 That's no weirder than me talking to Ben Kenobi, though. <laughs> I, guess, I guess not. I mean, uh, well, at what point? I, I, I'm sure you have to be have some levels of satisfaction with all the good that you've done from uh, pushing yourself and continuing to push yourself. Um, I mean, where, where, when are you going to be satisfied? Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. That's a very good question. Um, I. One of the reasons I left the military was because I, so I, I joined, uh, I joined the artillery. Um, and then I thought, you know, I, I, I thought, oh, this isn't hard enough. I'm going <laughs> to join the infantry. Okay. Uh, not that it wasn't hard enough. It was, uh, it, uh, I can do more. Uh, and I, I, I thought I'll join the infantry. I always thought the infantry was a bit, I'm not very, I'm not the very aggressive type. I'm not a fighter fighter. I'm not, you know, I don't go into pubs, get drunk and have a fight every night. Um, But obviously I have a lot of stamina and, you know, I, you know, I can do all the sort of army stuff. So I just thought, oh, I'm going to do it. So I joined the light infantry and I did the light infantry for a while. And I thought, you know what? Um, I'm going to do uh, commandos uh, and then I'm going to do airborne. and, And then I thought, 
each time I th- it got more dangerous and you know um so we were doing you know when you do abseiling you go backwards okay uh, and you have a safety rope and all that kind of stuff you know um, us you know that you know, like you know, when you do that, so okay, all right, go ahead. Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're uh, you know, when you're out there doing that, go ahead. Uh, yeah, we know, we know. Then, go uh, ahead. Uh, and then, uh, so you do, I, and I, I guess a lot, you do fast roping. You go out of helicopters, you throw a rope out, and you slide down the rope. You have no safety harness. You just hold onto the rope and you slide down the rope. You do fast roping. Uh, and I saw somebody uh, slip and fall. And in fact, actually, I was so naive at the time. I was so young, uh, 20, I think. Uh, uh, when the instructor, when the staff sergeant was explaining, he said, oh, you throw the rope out and you s- grab on and you slide down. And I said, what happens if you let go? Like, where's the safety harness? Where's the net? Where's the... Uh, and he says, uh, you die. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then he, and his instructions were, make sure you don't let go. I went, oh, okay then. So uh, before our stick went, um, our sort of section went, um, we were watching the other sections do their drills. And one person came out, slipped, fell, bang, broke the spine. Uh, and we we're like, oh, shit, that's not good. <laughs> And then Hillary sounds I nice. thought I thought oh well the, that's it they'll cancel everything now helicopter lands picks the person up takes the hospital comes back and goes right next lot and we're like but didn't that person <laughs> just die <laughs> do we do we carry on is it safe <laughs> so don't let go I tell you what I I, I didn't let go <laughs> um first time I did it I was so you know I was I don't let go don't let go anyway and then after a while, you get used to that. And then you say, oh, shit, this is, you know, you, you do it after one. You think, oh, it's just routine. So then you start doing forward abseiling down buildings without safety. You know, alpine abseiling where you lean forward and you run down the building. Wow. And then you do it with one hand. So you can have a pistol on one hand and you control your descent with the other hand. And like, you know, at some stage, we're going to do it without a rope and just fall. And just kill ourselves. This is getting crazy. <laughs> Some stage, <laughs> we've got to stop. This is nuts. So I, 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 at that stage, I was like, okay, I, I either either I keep on pushing myself or I just quit and, and try and stay alive. I could see him being like a James Bond agent. I don't want to get too personal with you, but I mean, you're a military guy. Have you had to kill anybody? Have you have you taken a life? Uh, no. Okay, good. I'd see, it seems like you're uh, also a gentle-hearted guy. Like, you know what I mean? You'd rather just push yourself than, you know, kill another human being or whatever. You understand military is a, yeah. you know, is a necessary thing, but, you know, you got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and you, I mean, I, I joined the, when I joined the military, it was, uh, it was the, the, the sort of thought at the time was the Soviets, um, and, and, and that's sort of my, my sort of duty or my, my rationale was to, uh, prepare Britain or NATO in case of Russian invasion. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to kill somebody, but if I had to, that would be, you know, what you would do to protect your country or, you know. What about one of those guys in the rowboat with you? How about, how about just... Would any of them drive you nuts after a while? Or you just wanted to snap oh, one of their necks? 
you have asked such a brilliant question. You don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're gonna chump for we're gonna chump for food. Go ahead. Let me. Ex- so I, I explained earlier. There's two shifts. There was um, Spartan shift, which was my shift, um, and there was the other shift uh, of seven guys. And we, my shift, we got on brilliantly. Um, we're all in touch. Uh, we're best friends. I've been to visit nearly all of them. Um, uh, we are really close. So the, these Except. expeditions, you either become really close or you end up wanting to kill each other. Right. Um, now, before we set off uh, to – we had two two weeks of preparation in the Canary Islands. And this guy, this particular guy, who's a really tall ex-policeman, the, the first mate. And I thought, oh, he's a policeman. He's trustworthy. He's um, – he was a happy chappy. He was always singing songs. And I thought, he's a great guy to have on a boat uh, to keep morale up. What I didn't realize was behind our backs, he was sowing dissent, going around saying all sorts of shit to, to uh, everyone, <laughs> creating trouble. He and at one stage, he's gone to the ca- is he on Survivor or what? Yeah, right. Is this a, like you know? The, is he going to try to win a million dollars at the end if he can just uh, out everybody? Uh, keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Vote him off the uh, boat. I, I don't watch TV much, but I I know what you're saying. He, <laughs> it was like it was like he was trying to undermine everyone to to yeah have them thrown off the boat. And he even went to the captain and said to the captain uh, that I was trying to. Um, take over the boat and have him overthrown as captain, have a mutiny. Uh, so the, the captain confronted me one day and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he showed me his phone. He showed me the messages. It's like, that two-faced fucker. You guys so, got phones out there? <laughs> oh, no, no. This was before we left. Oh, okay, we, okay, before, okay. All right. Before even And I, I thought, I thought, this doesn't, this doesn't marry with his what i've seen of him and what i've just seen doesn't it's not congruent it doesn't match his personality it doesn't seem right so i kind of dismissed it and um anyway on the boat uh it obviously became apparent that this guy was just poison um and eventually Uh, not not only that the other the other thing that happened was so every day we're rowing and i Everyone was... I, I was so sick. Five days, I vomited nonstop. Every rip shift, I, I was seasick. And um, so b- before you go, they gave us an option. Do you want French seasickness tablets or English seasickness tablets? And Both. I, I immediately said, English course? Why would I have bloody French? Um, <laughs> Uh, Those ones make you they, anyway, so, uh, they're a little more doughy, a little more, more froggy, and they froggy. go, "Okay, here's your seasickness tablets because you're seasick." So I take them, and of course, I'm throwing up so much I throw up the the bloody uh, English seasickness tablets because it. And I said, "What are the French ones like?" And they went, "Oh, they're they're rectal. You stick them up your ass." Okay, like, yes. Yes. Fuck, I wish I'd I wish I'd had the bloody French ones now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you you got to take both. <laughs> I was so I was so seasick that um, on the inside of the cabin they wrote NABS N A B S my name National Association for Bad Seasickness. <laughs> I, 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 so I threw up around two hundred times in five days. 
Oh my and, uh, god! That's unbelievable. Uh, you, I'm surprised you didn't crack a rib. It's a good ab workout. I had abs of steel. <laughs> <laughs> you still, you still so they call the nabster. My abs were solid. My gums were fucking rotten. Hey. <laughs> so, so uh, um, I, I mean, you have to do your shift. And I, I everyone, sh- every, so everyone rode except this fucker. Every, sh- every shift, every shift. He would come out and say, oh, my knee's bad. I can't row. Or I, I don't feel my back can do it or whatever. He rode maybe less than half his shifts. Or no, le- even less than that. Um, so at some stage, as we're rowing, uh, our, our shift is rowing, I was near the uh, rear cabin and I could hear the four in the cabin plotting to have him this... Uh, poisonous police ex-policeman deserter um actually uh, accidentally pushed overboard (laughs) and they were saying okay so what we do when when we change shift when we come out the cabin uh when you go to your thing i'm gonna trip over i'm gonna push you you're gonna fall headlong into him and just make sure you push him off the boat (laughs) Okay, <laughs> but don't do it until we get close enough. So make sure when you push him, you push him below the waist so he can't, you know, because he's a big guy. Blah 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 blah. And they were like, I was like, <laughs> I, I, I'm rubbing along. I'm going, guys, this is Lord of the Flies. This is like, you know, this is uh, you know, the book Lord of the Flies. I do, I do. I was thinking Kill like. The pig. I was thinking, like, give him a, give him a, a life vest and tie a rope to him, and maybe let him dangle behind a hundred yards or something, you know. But or you could just push him overboard or whatever. That's how. So now you're sitting there thinking to yourself, did you first say to yourself, well, maybe that's not a bad idea. Um, I. For a second, I, for a second, be honest with me. For a second, for a fucking second, you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. I'll explain something. So, I have a really good. Um, uh, so you, ex- you earlier you asked me about who who inspired me. So there's a lot of English explorers like S- Captain Scott and Sir Ranulph Fiennes, who I've met, who's now a friend of mine. Uh, you like that picture of him with me? You know. Um, with the on Instagram pictures. you did last yes. night. Yeah. So uh, I've read half of his books, or uh, well, most of his books. And in one of his books, he was saying about, he was in the South Pole with his best friend, Dr. Mike Stroud. And they were walking along. And um, there was an incident where one of them ate an apple, but he didn't eat it all. He sort of left flesh on the core. Uh, and he's, one of them said to the other, aren't you going to finish that apple? He says, I've finished it. Says you're wasting food, you're wasting weight, and they had an argument. And in the book, he says for three days, the argument was so bitter, and their and their and their sort of morale or their 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 uh, it was so strained that the the argument became very bitter. And for three days, he spent plotting how to kill his best friend, bury the body, and then how to explain it off when he got to the, to the South Pole or whatever. So this is in the book, and after three days, they, they 
obviously they're still sharing a tent every night. And after three days, he says to Mike or the other way around, I can't remember. He says, you know, I've been plotting to kill you for the last three days. And he goes, yeah, I've been, I, I've been, I've been doing the same. Now that's I, a bromance. Of course, this is the, um, this, the lesson I took from that, as, as it says in the book, is you become so uh, you become so exhausted that your mind doesn't function rationally. And so I always kept that in my mind. Every time expedition I went on, I was like, I'm going to get to a point and I'm going to be so f- messed up uh, emotionally, I'm going to think of doing stupid things. And the only way I anchor myself is, what am I going to tell humans in London or, you know, Will I be able to get away with this? Is this something that a person in London will uh, will understand? And so that split second, will pushing Roger off the boat? <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, we can't. We can't. Guys, you can't do it. You can't. But I guess all I, all I wanted to say is for a second, you had to think about should we no no we can't push roger off the boat but we exactly. should. it's at least worth considering for a second <laughs> even though we didn't actually <laughs> kill roger like you gotta think wait, about wait, 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 wait. it go so much is, is this illegal <laughs> oh no we can't do it guys yeah can i punch because... him in the face first and then we do it at nothing's illegal international waters <laughs> Oh, I am so impressed with all the accomplishments that you've had. I wish that we could take just a portion of what you've got and put it out there for everybody. Do we lose it? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. Is it, so this is not live then, is it? Or oh, it is live. We're live right live. now, yeah. Okay. And I, it doesn't matter that I swore. No, it does not, it no, does not matter that you swore it. at all. No. I was speaking in French, so they may not understand. Ah, well, that, <laughs> babe, you can take your laxative any way you like. I'm sure you speak a lot. Of, how many languages Par- do you speak? Parlez-vous, fuck you. Uh, actually, I'm <laughs> only very good at English. Uh, French, I lived in France. So I, I, do, I could probably remember French if I had another two weeks in France. Uh, I, I was going out with a, I, I was engaged to Norwegian originally and a, a Danish girl. So I speak uh, a hybrid of Norwegian Danish, uh, Swahili, which is a, a language from East Africa. Or it's, our, it's, it's our new, uh, what do we call this uh, feed that we've got, John? Zoom. Hang on one, with the Zoom. Are you there? Okay, it's really. No, it really he is. He just got terrific. bored for a second and climbed a mountain and came back. <laughs> okay. I, I, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I love this anyway, technology, though, that, because you've sounded great so far. I know. It's been pretty damn impressive. It really has. Okay, so, um, and where are you at? You're in Dubai right now? No, no. So it's a country just south of Dubai. It's actually uh, south of Dubai, next to Saudi, next to Yemen, next to Iran. And nobody's ever heard of it because it's uh, so below the radar. Uh, and most people know Dubai, obviously. So uh, we're just four hours drive from Dubai. So you know how the Saudi Arabian Peninsula looks like a boot? Yep. It's like the bottom toe. Okay, of the boot. very nice. How yeah. long? How, so it probably took you, what, like a couple of days to hike down there? Uncle Hulka, yeah, right. (laughs) Big toe. I'm just thinking right now about the signal that we're talking to him on. 
he rode that in a fucking boat. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> so I know. I tell you, I tell you, that's what the the customs guy at Miami. He, you know, he he sort of he he told me to stand to one side, and I, I was held in a in a holding tank for eight hours while they um while they tried to well, while they processed everyone, and I guess everyone there was like from South America or Cuba or something. Cuba, yeah. Um, but um, I was sitting next to this poor lady. Uh, with a five-year-old kid, and um, I was like, oh, you know, I, I expect to be stopped every year. I, I've been stopped in every country I've been to since 9-11, but uh, <laughs> so I, I was expecting. I, I actually had a Tom Clancy book with me ready for, you know. Um, so. do, you ever, do you ever hold that book up and go, it's just research? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, he wrote, it was it in Some of All Fears? Tom Clancy wrote about... Uh, uh, this uh, disaffected Japanese guy flying a 747 into yep. Yep. into your parliament. And so when 9-11 happened, I was like, oh, my God, I read about that in a book. Anyway, so I, I'm sitting there next to this uh, poor lady, um, and there was about 150 people in this in this sort of holding area. Uh, and so I just thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make a conversation with this poor lady. Uh why are you uh, arrested or why are you detained? And she goes, oh, it's not me. It's my son. I said, Jesus, what's he done? And it said, oh, no, he's not done anything. His name is uh, Pablo Escobar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or something. Uh, I said, uh, his name is such and such. And it's 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 the same as uh, some drug dealer they have on a, on a list. And I said, couldn't they see he was five years old? <laughs> and they said, well, they, 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 it just got flagged and he got, we got detained. So we have to wait until they, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And she was like, well, why are you sorry? You're not, it's not your fault. And I was like, uh, yeah, but I, I just feel sorry for you because it's, it's such a stupid thing. Anyway, right, I yeah, was so detained for that. A horrible name to name your child. <laughs> Person, I went to the. I got my interview, and it was a GS fourteen guy. He was a a guy with a Colonel uh, Eagle uh, insignia on his shoulder. So I obviously knew he was a very senior um, senior customs guy. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't. No, 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 not military. He was customs. I don't okay. know what you call them over there. Uh, border. I don't know what you call them. Customs. We, we call them customs, but something in America. Anyway. Um, in America, I sit down. He goes, "Oh, come on, uh, sit down." I sit down. He goes, "Why have you?" In America, you call them. In America, we call those failed police academy dropouts. <laughs> okay, well, I won't comment. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry, now go ahead. Um. Anyway, since it was actually a very nice guy. He said, "Oh, have a seat," and he said, oh, "So, why have you been? Um, why were you pulled out?" And I said, "Oh, well, uh, the." immigration guy looked at my passport picture where I'm clean shaven and he looked at my appearance now and he didn't um, you know uh, he wanted why I changed my appearance and I told him I just rode across the Atlantic that's why I've got the beard and he said did you really row across the Atlantic and I went and I, I pointed at my shirt which had www.rowingatlantic.com and he went oh Okay, and he just went on his computer, typed it in, and all the, you know, the press and all the blah, 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 you know, Daily Mail, first Arab to row across the Atlantic, blah, blah, blah. He went, oh, shit, you really did row across the Atlantic. 
Okay, <laughs> you can go now. So impressive, Boz. <laughs> it just showed the calluses on my hands. I, right, <laughs> yeah. Look at my hands right now. Look at my, you know, I just had to deal with Ron. I just saved his life <laughs> on top of it, all right? Yeah, you should be giving me a fucking medal right now. Oh, you know now. Ron? Oh, thank yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy you want to detain is Roger. <laughs> yeah, Roger. You got to yeah, get exactly. Roger. Fucking, he's the one you yeah. want. <laughs> He's white, but he's the worst one on the boat. <laughs> he's a mutinous. Uh, uh, so, actually, so, so that was kind of funny because within 30 seconds, he released me. He said, oh, you really did? Okay, you can go now. I said, Jesus, you know, eight hours and, uh, and then 30 seconds and I'm out. So that was annoying. But when we'd actually arrived in Barbados, we'd arrived at like uh, just past midnight. And um, on the way, on the boat, we and to burn this fucking boat, I never wanted to stick on this boat, come back and we'll burn it. And we, so there's about eight sides, we got this boat. So we got to the other side and uh, we got off the boat. There was a lot of people there uh, and then we all sort of collapsed. And in the morning, I woke up with this burning, with this burning determination, with this compulsion to go back to the, to the, the, the port or to the, the pier and set fire to that boat so <laughs> as i walked <laughs> as i walked as i walked back to the uh to the uh the, the little sort of bay um uh there was some customs guys from barbados the barbados uh, customs and excise and i i i turned up and they said did you come in on the boat and i went yeah i said you have to come with us i went okay and i, I went to their little police station and there were already 10 of 11 of us there and we were all being detained. And so why are you detaining us? Uh, did you know about the plot to burn the boat? And they, they were like, no, no, you, you snuck into the country. <laughs> and we were like, well, hold on, hold on. How did, you, how did we sneak into the country? Because we, we, we'd radioed ahead and said our ETA in the morning. We said our ETA was about 11 p.m. And we came in at 12.30. So they'd shut the little two-man police station and gone home. <laughs> so when we, when we hadn't turned up at 11 o'clock, they're like, you know, bugger this for a game of soldiers and went home. They're dead. So we, we, came, we came in on the boat. We were firing every single safety flare. We fired off. We set off all the air horns. We, we made as much noise as we came in. We were like, we made it. We didn't die. And they were like... Uh, 50 people in uh, Port St. Charles who were, you know, family and friends. And and so we got, uh, and so the next morning, these guys were like, you snuck into Barbados illegally. I'm like, how the hell did we sneak in? <laughs> Look at my record. And we were, we were arguing with these uh, two, uh, there was four police people there, or customs agents. We were arguing, we didn't sneak in. If you hadn't buggered off home, you would have seen us. You would probably have heard us at home if you hadn't gone to bed early. Anyway. <laughs> we arguing with them, and um, you know, having been military, and you know, sort of, sort of, uh, I, I sort of knew that we weren't going to argue our way out of this. Um, so I started looking around. Very small police station. They only had two cells, and um, so in the middle of the argument, I said, "Excuse me, can I ask a question? Have you got beds in those cells?" And they were, of course, we have beds in the cells. Uh, do they have toilets <laughs> in the cells? Now, they're thinking these are bizarre questions. I'm thinking... It's like a hotel. Guys, 
I'm going to I'm going to sleep on the bed with a flushing toilet. Fuck all of you guys, right? <laughs> all the other guys suddenly realise what I'm doing, and I'm like. I saw it first. And of us. That's amazing. Arrest me first. Arrest me first. We made a break for it. We all fighting to get into the cells. I saw this one first. Fuck off. It's a fucking. It's the four seasons. Uh, <laughs> these four police were like, "What the fuck's going on?" Uh, uh, so I'm like, "This is my bed. Get out of here. Find your own." So um. It threw them so badly that they bought us coffee and let us go. <laughs> Get out of here. These guys are fucking Get nuts. out of here. <laughs> You're all crazy. Get out of here. Oh, Nabs, I think that you probably are the most interesting man I've ever spoken to in my life. And I mean that uh, wholeheartedly. You are definitely. I want to speak to you again because the the hour the hour that we just spent with you, we're just scratching the surface. I can tell, brother. You know, <laughs> let, let, what do you say we do this again in a few months? Uh, because there's more stories to be heard. Um, there's more adventures to talk about, um, and uh, I just really enjoy hearing about all of it. Well, that's uh, very kind. I'm glad. I'm glad it went well. I was a bit nervous. I've done lots of TV and, and radio, but I was a bit nervous. My first one in America, so. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Forget about them. We're the real deal. Forget we did, we did, we forget about them. We just like that. We just like to have fun. There he is. He's Nabs. He's the most interesting man I've ever met in my life, and I can't <laughs> wait to talk to him again, dude. You're fucking awesome. We're going to go drink Dos Equis. <laughs> Thank you so much. What was that? No, we said we're going to go drink some Dos Equis, but we're just going to keep drinking, man. We just love having you on the show. Thank you so much That's for making our That's what the Marines call me. The Marines at the embassy here call me Dos Equis or something. Oh, really? Okay. Well, see how we do it? We just find out. We, our research department is very, very uh, good at their job. <laughs> Well, it's Dos Exis or something, yeah. Oh, now it's Dos getting Equis. now it's getting personal. Equis. No, no, I, I don't. I, 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 they said it's some kind of advert in America. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, Dos yeah, Equis. It's, it's two, a it's, two X's. It's a, it's, a, it's a beer here Mexican in town. Beer. So. Mexican beer. Oh, okay, right, right, right. So, hey, cool. uh, we're gonna let you go, Nabs, ladies and gentlemen, the most Woo! interesting man in the world. Fucking a, dude. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. care, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. That's how you do it right there. That's how you do what? We're international, bitch. Call <laughs> we're, me. Yeah, we're worldwide. <laughs> Nabs. Jesus. Call who it's is. a fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back after this. You're listening to the Caddy Swag Show. 